Anyway, um, so here we go. Healthy habits. We've done relational. We've done emotional. And now we're going to do physical. So can I have everybody stand up? Cool. Okay. So how many of you are familiar with Zumba? Okay, can we get the music on? Um, are you guys ready? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, go ahead and sit down. Yeah, I am. Stand up again. Yes. That's called movement, and that's healthy, okay? And all of you stayed sitting down, uh, you know, here's where it's at. So anyway, you can go ahead and sit down now. I, this is why they don't let me up here much. You know, I get up here and I do this. They give me the mic. My wife goes, oh, gosh, she's back, you know. So anyway, so today what I've got for you really about healthy habits physically is um, we have a message that I want to share with you about some stuff that God's really laid on my heart and um, that I've been praying through. And what I want you to hear first is what I'm going to hit this morning is probably one of the least taught messages in churches these days, um, especially in the United States. Um, I would venture to guess that you may never have heard a message about this before, but or heard it in this context before. What I want to say starting into this message is there's no judgment here at this church. Living Hope is a church where there's no perfect people allowed, and we're all working together to try and figure out what life is and life in Christ, and with Christ as our center, and who we're to be when we've said, hey, I want to follow Christ. Um, my life is about what he wants it to be about. And so that's where we're at. So there's, there's no judgment going on here. Um, it's going to be a hard topic um, that we're going to hit, but um, we're here to do life together, you know, and we all have struggles. We all have things that we're working through, but what I want to do is give you today um, something I feel God has really laid on my heart and um, share with you just what God's word says about how we take care of the temple the physical body that God's given us. And so um, let me dive in here and throw out a few things for you. So what I'm talking about today is, you know, how many of you have ever heard of, you know, they talk about the seven deadly sins or whatever, but gluttony. Yeah, so gluttony, let me explain to you what that is. Uh, gluttony, according to the Oxford Dictionary, it defines it as habitual greed or excessive eating. Dictionary.com defines it as excessive eating and drinking. So what is excessive eating and drinking? Um, overeating is the excess food consumed in relation to the energy that an organism expends or expels during exerta- uh, exhorting itself. Um, yeah, see, I had to really work at that. Um, leading to weight gain and often to obesity. It may be regarded as an eating dis- disorder. This term may also be used to refer to episodes of overeating or overconsumption. Um, so I'm not just talking about the fact that we eat too much today too, but I'm talking about what it is to keep our bodies where they need to be. And that the Bible really does talk about it. And it talks about it in some pretty strong language, you know, and, but, but we pass over this so much. You know, we hear these things about keeping our body in check and, and submission and stuff. And we think, okay, that's in relationship to sin issues. That's in relationship to lusting. That's in relationship to all these other things, but not in relationship to how I eat and how I keep my physical well-being. Um, we, we are able to like somehow shove it off and we don't talk about it much. But the Bible has some really strong, strong language about that. It's interesting. Let me share with you real quick. According to the National Institute for Health, 
obesity and overweight together are the second leading cause of preventable death in the United States, close behind tobacco, and an estimated 300,000 deaths per year are due to the obesity epidemic. Worldwide, worldwide, more than 1.9 billion adults were overweight in 2016, and that trend is steadily climbing. Over 650,000, or 650 million, were obese. Let's also look at the fact that being underweight, because we have those conditions too, where we're not eating enough, we're not eating as much as we should. And so this isn't just about overweight, this is about maintaining our body the way God wants us to maintain our body and taking care of the temple the way we're to do that. It's interesting, when I talked about strong language in there, uh, Proverbs 23, 1 through 3, Solomon talks about, (laughs) when you sit down with a ruler, note well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive, for food is deceptive. I read some commentary on this, and they kind of dismiss it as, okay, anytime you sit down with some kind of an official or somebody higher, don't you know, be gluttonous in front of them and stuff. But really, I think when you look at it and stuff, other commentary takes it a little bit deeper um, to the fact that it's like, you know, if we're prone to taking in more than we actually need to maintain health and well-being, um, they say, you know, the language is put a knife to your throat. And I'm not telling you literally to go put a knife to your throat over that, but it's telling you how that's the emphasis that's being so strong there that this is something that we need to work on, that we need to be putting into order, that we need to really trust God with and getting in control. Um, Ezekiel 16:49. what this is talking about, how many of you are familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, Sodom and Gomorrah was this place that was just like really given over to all kinds of sin and self-indulgence and stuff. And, and typically when, you know, I was growing up in church, we would hear Sodom and Gomorrah getting taught about as this place where they were given over to just crazy sexual sin. Um, there was just all matter of stuff going on and stuff there. And, that's, and that was the way that it was taught. And so I grew up until several years back going, wow, this is all about sexual sin and stuff. But what's really interesting in Ezekiel sixteen forty nine, it says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about the sexual sin too, but they list this first, the primary sin. said, I'm not picking on anybody here today. This is just, you know, I'm trying to share with you a little bit of insight of what God's done in my life because there's been a journey for me in this as well. Um, So, Bring that first slide up. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Science is showing and people way wiser than us in the medical field that undereating or overeating is destroying our bodies. It's affecting us in all kinds of ways. And who controls what goes into our mouths or doesn't go into our mouths? You know, and right here in this verse, it says, you know, anyone destroys God's temple? What's the temple? It's us. It's us. Next one comes out of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God in your body. 
Next one for you, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I just challenged us this morning, are we looking at the aspect of what we eat and what we drink and how we do that for the glory of God? Are we giving our bodies what they need to be the ultimate temple that they can be for God. And this isn't about going and being, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Universe or whatever. This is about looking at who we are and what our body types are and all that kind of stuff and working within the context of, you know, if, if God has entrusted me and he's bought this to be the vehicle by which he goes through and shares love to everybody around us and, and, demonstrates Christ-like love to people so that they might come into relationship with Jesus and go out and meet the needs of a community around us that is going through lots of pain and hurt and things like that. We saw Jesus meeting people's needs, and we need to go do that so that we can ultimately share the love that we have for them that, that we get through Jesus Christ. He's bought this. This is his. You know, if he owns it, what right do I have to be tearing it down, to destroy it, to trash it, you know? Um, there's just so much out there that, that leans into that. Let's go real quick to Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what's that one? Against these things, there is no law. So when we are demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, there's no law to stop you from that because those, if you look at those, when those things are all lived out in any gamut of just kind of you can self-control. So if people have self-control, they're not out stealing and, and getting over on each other and things like that. You know, if we're kind to people, there's not a need for a law because kindness, does there need to be a law against people being kind? No. You know, there's all these things. There is no law against these. But self-control is something that we're to demonstrate through the fruits of the Spirit. And that's not only in relationship to others, but that's in how we take care of ourselves as well. Um, I'm a pastor. I've got no big degrees or anything in the medical field. I've got no um, strong understanding of, of that. I just know what my doctors talk to me about and, and what I've read up on and stuff. But at this point, I want to bring somebody up who is in the medical field. And so, Chelsea O'Hanlon, um, if you would come up. And Chelsea has been going to the church for how long now? Uh, I've been going to this church for uh, about five months. About oh, five months. Is that on? Yeah, cool. I think so. Hi. Okay, so I'm going to let her talk to you for a little bit, and I'll let her tell you what her background is. Good morning, Living Hope. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, we are pretty new to the area. So uh, my name is Chelsea O'Hanlon. We moved here to Dixon uh, almost a year ago. Um, I'm recently married, and together we're a blended family of five children. Um, professionally, I have been a cardiac nurse for about five and a half years, uh, and I primarily work in open-heart surgery. Um, I'm very passionate about nutrition and wellness, uh, and one of the reasons why is because about 80% of the heart surgeries that we do um, could have been completely preventable from lifestyle changes, um, and that should be concerning to everybody. Um, so now I'm going to do the thing where I make you guys repeat what I say, because everybody loves to do that, right? Um, so I'm going to say it first, and then we're all going to say it together. So it's, if you do not invest in your wellness, you will be forced to invest in your illness. Are you ready? If you do not invest in your wellness, you will be forced to invest in your illness. And what that means is through frequent hospital visits, 
through surgeries, through medications that you're going to have to take, through chronic pain, and through losing your movement of your body. And that's just to name a couple of them. Um, almost every single disease, illness, and injury can be approved, um, and sometimes even cured through proper nutrition of your body, proper hydration, and proper movement. Um, if you have a chronic illness, especially one that causes you pain, it is even more important for you to move your body and to give it the nutrition that it needs. You've all heard age is just a number, right? I'm here to tell you it's absolutely true. I have 90-year-old patients who can run circles around a lot of 40-year-olds. Um, I hiked Half Dome about two years ago, and I walked down the cables with an 88-year-old man who was rocking it. Um, yes, genetics do play a role. Injuries happen. There are unavoidable illnesses, and people are dealt different cards. But no matter what cards you were dealt, I'm here to tell you that it is always important to invest in your wellness. Um, you were never stuck in your illness. You can always improve your health. You might have to work harder than other people. You might have to go to the grocery store more often. You, it, it is going to be hard, but I'm here to tell you that you can do it, and the benefits are really endless. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about genetic risks. You guys have, have all heard, like, I have the genetic disposition to this. So if you have the genetic disposition to heart disease, which is the leading cause of death here in America, and you live an unhealthy lifestyle, that means high processed foods, sedentary lifestyle, high sugar diet, your risk for getting heart disease and getting the, the long-term complications of that go up by four times. If you have the genetic disposition to type 2 diabetes and live an unhealthy lifestyle, that risk goes up 15-fold. Heart disease has doubled in the last decade. And the worst part is, is that the age of the people who are being affected are getting younger and younger. We should not have 30-year-olds on our table from preventable diseases. That's unacceptable. Um, so we're going to go over benefits because it's the feel-good speech. <laughs> so it's not just about losing weight. It's not just about fitting into those high school genes. Um, benefits include a better immune system. Um, me and my husband haven't been sick for over two years, and it's incredible. It's you, when you take care of your body and you take care of your nutrition, you do not get as sick. And when you do get sick, you recover faster. More energy, less medications, increased longevity and quality of your life, better sleep, better movement, less chronic pain, and that's just to name a few. Um, is it going to be harder? Yes. You are going to have to go to the grocery store more. You are going to have to plan out your meals. Um, all change is hard, but I'm here to tell you that God is here, and he will help you get through this change, and eventually it becomes your normal. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to eat kale every day, and you don't have to go to the gym every day. This means moving your body as often as you can. Move your joints. That lubricates them. That helps get some of the chronic pain away. Um, find an activity that you love. Um, get fresh air. Feel the sunshine on your face. Exercise is an extremely powerful antidepressant, and it's one that people don't utilize often enough. Sunshine increases your serotonin levels. For those of you who don't know what serotonin is, it's one of the things that make you feel happy in your brain. Um, researchers have shown that a lot of people who have depression are deficient in magnesium and folate. So you need to get the nutrients that you need, especially if you struggle with anxiety and depression. There's a direct correlation to what you put in your body and how it can help your brain feel. Um, don't look at it as giving up the nutritional, or sorry, the 
foods that you love, look at the foods at, for the nutritional value that they give you. Ask yourself, am I giving my, the temple that God gave me the nutrition that it needs, or am I making it sick from the inside out? If I offered you guys a piece of raw chicken and asked you to eat it, most of you would say no, because you'd be afraid that it would make you sick, right? I'm here to tell you that the modern American diet of high-processed foods, the foods that are really convenient that last 10 years in your cabinet, are not healthy for you, and they are making you sick. They are absolutely making you sick. Not moving your body is making you sick. Uh, and it's not just me. Ask any medical professional in, in the world, and they'll tell you the same. Uh, if you have kids, it is extremely important that you give them the nutrients that they need. You're investing in their future by having healthy habits at home. You're preventing their future cancer, their future diabetes, their future heart disease, and tons of other illnesses that are completely preventable. It's all about how we eat most of the time that matters. So this doesn't mean that you can never have a hamburger again or you can never have ice cream again. It's how you live your day-to-day -day life that matters. It's what you put in your body most of the time that matters. And I have some really great news. Healthy food tastes good, too. All right? <laughs> so before I hand this back over uh, to Pastor Phil, I want to give you guys a couple guidelines. One, there is no one-size-fits-all diet, period. Every body is different. The way that we move, that we're able to move our bodies, every body is different. So find what works for you and your body. And if it works great for you, share it with your friends, but don't shove it down their throats because <laughs> it might not work for them. Uh, there are some guidelines that work for just about everybody, though, and that's eat as little processed food as possible. Um, that means shopping on the outside of the grocery store, okay? And I'm not talking about the candy section in the front. I'm talking about the fruits and the vegetables, right? Um, if you eat meat, eat it as wild as possible and as fresh as possible. So eating heavily farmed animals that don't get the proper nutrition from their bodies, if they don't have nutrition, there's no way that they can bestow it onto you. Um, eat food from God, from the ground, as fresh as possible, as raw as possible, and with as few chemicals as possible. And lastly, move your body in any way, shape, and form that you can. You do not have to schedule time to go to the gym, and it's great if you do. But get up in your office, move your joints, go out on a walk, move your body all the time as often as you can. Go explore the world that God made. It is incredible out there and it is beautiful. That's all. Hey, Chelsea, I got a question for you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so you're sharing this with us, but I mean, you look like you're in really good shape. So what experience do you have with this? So uh, great question. Um, so like... If you guys know Phil's story, I think he's going to share it uh, in a little bit. Um, I found myself in nursing school. I gained quite a bit of weight. Uh, one, because I got pregnant twice in nursing school. Um, and so, and it was very back-to-back. -back. Um, and I found myself uh, well over 200 pounds, not being able to go up and down the, the slides like I used to, not being able to hike like I used to, um, going home and drinking Dr. Pepper. That was like my go-to thing. Um, and I was in my 20s and found myself obese and, and already at risk for many health things. And not only that, but my children were starting to see it. Um, and a big thing that actually uh, was a big smack in the face uh, was this was a genetic disposition, but my daughter ended up with type 1 diabetes. But the way that we ate certainly wasn't helping her. Uh, and then not only that, she developed celiac disease, so she 
uh, now can't eat wheat, barley, or rye, and she can't have a high-carbohydrate diet. So we had to completely revamp everything, and that really got me into um, nutrition and fitness for myself. And what's so interesting is that initially, I wanted what a lot of people want, and that's to lose weight and to fit into the pants and, and all that stuff. But that's not really what it's all about. When I realized that it's about the nutrition that I'm putting in my body, so not taking, there's no diet pill. I, I'm here to tell you, to guarantee you 100%, there is zero diet pills out there that will ever change your body into being healthy, period. It takes lifestyle changes. It takes making new habits, period. There, there's no, I wish that there was a shortcut that I could tell you, but I'm here to tell you there isn't. Um, it takes hard work. It takes, it takes training your body to get those nutrients that you need and, and getting the, the education to be able to look in the store at what's healthy for you. Um, so for me, the process of, of the way that I look now is just a product of, of getting the nutrition and losing weight was just kind of an awesome benefit to it. But if you make it just about losing weight and not about the nutrition, then, yeah, you might fit into the genes, but how does your heart look? How do your lungs look? How do your kidneys and your liver work, look? How, how long are you going to live? How, you know, how long are you going to be able to see your grandkids grow up? And, and then what are you going to pass on to them? Are you going to pass on unhealthy habits to them, or are you going to watch them grow and go out and go hike with them? Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, you know, this is kind of where it's at. Um, what I'm hoping you're hearing through this is just, you know, there's a position in my life or a time in my life where things change. There's a story about two pastors in the 1800s. Um, you guys may have heard of them before, but uh, one was considered to be what they call the Prince of Pastors. It was uh, Charles Spurgeon. And Spurgeon, just a, just a great Bible teacher, um, you know, just uh, super solid and, and very well admired uh, even to this day. And another one, uh, Dwight Moody, uh, D.L. Moody. Moody was an evangelist, and Spurgeon was over in England, and Moody was over here in the U.S., and, and Moody just admired Spurgeon. He just really always just kind of idolized, you know, uh, Spurgeon's relationship with God and everything, and just and the way he could teach the Bible. And, um, and so Moody had just this desire to meet Spurgeon. And so one day Moody shows up over in England, um, and he knocks on Spurgeon's front door, found out where he lived and everything, knocked on his front door and then steps back down the steps. And Spurgeon answers the front door with a big cigar hanging out of his mouth. And Moody looks up and just in shock and he's like, how can you, sir, a man of God, do that? And Moody, standing at the bottom of the steps, is responded to by Spurgeon, who looks down at him and says, the same way you, as Spurgeon points to Moody's rather large stomach, the same way you, a man of God, can do that. And I found myself years ago looking at things and going, okay, you know, uh, justifying how I ate and stuff because it's not one of those sins. And, and does the Bible actually talk about smoking? I don't see it mentioned smoking anywhere in the Bible it, unless it's like smoke and fire going up. But, you know, there are these things that we try to elevate to these higher standards, these higher things of sin. And so we look and we try and justify where we're at so that we don't have to change um, so that we can keep it simple. But dropping back to some of these verses about this is the temple of God, and I'm supposed to take care of it and maintain it. I found myself being one of those people that would try and justify the way that I was living and what I was doing. Amy, you want to throw that next picture up there, that good-looking guy? Yeah, there he is. So, um, 
back around June of 2018, um, this was very similar to how I looked at that time, um, 218.8 pounds, um, a BMI, body mass index of 30, which is at the upper end of overweight and almost obese. Um, I could skate, you can see the skateboard in my hand, you know, it's not just I had to have a helmet on because I'm prone to banging my head into walls or things like that, but um, I do long distance skating and I could skate from here to Sacramento and back, you know, several years back and stuff or here to winters and back and stuff and, you know, it wasn't a big thing to go out and do 30 miles uh, on a skate and, and so I'm like, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape, I'm, I'm doing well, um, you know. But in the meantime, I'm figuring, you know, my doctor's telling me, you need to lose some weight. You know, your, your numbers are, are up. You're a type 2 diabetic. You know, you've gone from being pre-diabetic to diabetic. Um, I brought some visual aids along here. So this is metformin. Anybody familiar with that? So metformin is, I was on 2,000 milligrams of metformin every morning to control my blood sugar. And my blood sugar was still up. If you know what A1Cs are about, my blood sugar was still up to a 7.8. Um, when I was on that. Um, so we have lisinopril. Anybody familiar with that? Yeah, this is, so we've got lisinopril. We've got atenanol for my blood pressure. Lisinopril and, um, and uh, let's see, atorvastatin. Those were all to help me with my um, high cholesterol too because of what leads to heart disease. And so I'm telling myself I'm healthy because I can get out and move. Um, I'm looking at other people eating and going, well, I don't need as much as them, but I'm finishing my plate and my wife's plate and what might be left on my son's plate. And, you know, and just kind of because it's there and I'm going to eat it and it tastes good. I'm not thinking about what it takes to actually keep my body healthy. But when we drop back to what overeating is, what did it say? Eating more than you actually need based on the amount of energy that you expel. And so there's this imbalance that starts leading to me destroying the temple that God's given me. Um... So at that time, you know, those were my numbers. And you guys can go look up BMI. It's, it's, don't hold tightly to it, but look at it as a general standard for giving you an idea where you're at. You've got to take into mind your body type. But I told myself I'm big boned, you know, so I would justify some stuff. I told myself, well, I'm quite muscular. So, um, you know, it's, I'm going to have a higher BMI because people with more muscle, you know, because it, it, muscle can also make your BMI higher. So I would tell myself I'm, I'm pretty muscular. And I'd look in the mirror and see this. Big muscle, you know, kind of. And, and uh, I've told people, I've got a six-pack. I'm just keeping it in my insulated cooler, so back off, okay? So it's, but that was where I was at with things. And then one day, um, I was sitting back here in my office, and some of you have heard this story before. I was sitting here in my office, and I was reading through this Bible. And um, because there are some really special things highlighted in this Bible, this was my dad's Bible. And um, wasn't even thinking about the temple. Wasn't thinking about diet. Wasn't thinking about exercise. Wasn't thinking about how well I'm taking care of myself physically. But then I got to the front page as I closed it. And these spots are, I'll tell you what they represent. So my dad wrote those in there. The first one is where we used to live in Southern California. The second one is where we lived in Morro Bay third one is where we lived in Tracy. And then the last one down here, and there's a gap between it, but the last one down here says, to come, heaven. And then my mom wrote in here, at home with Jesus, 
February 26th, 1996, or 1986. So a month from today would be the anniversary of when my dad passed. I was 20 years old. There was so much that I wanted to learn from my dad. But as I closed this, I looked, and my hand looked exactly like my dad's hand. As I remember looking when he passed, my dad met, never met a piece of pie that he didn't like. He knew where all the best barbecue houses were, knew where all the best cheeseburgers were at. Um, it wasn't like he ate excessively, but he ate definitely more than he needed to be in a healthy state. And he was on multiple medications. I remember my mom, you know, asking him to watch it a little more, to be a little more careful. Um, I could, those memories were coming back as I, as I processed that, and, and then it started ringing in my ears. My wife, and just her gentle, not nagging, but gentle leaning into, I wish you would take better care of yourself, you know. Um, and for me, when I was looking like that, I'm justifying all this stuff and going, hey, I'm in good shape, I'm I'm in better shape than a lot of people, and, but the doctor is speaking to me, and it's like that one-on-one relationship we have with Christ. It's like, it doesn't involve what's going on with other people. It's between us and God, and that relationship with my doctor is between me and him, and he's telling me, and he's far smarter than I am, going, everything about what you're doing is leading you to an early grave. My dad left this world when he was 57 years old. I know I got to have him, you know, a good amount of time, but I wish he was still around. And it hit me that God had work for me to do. And that, like we read earlier, my life is not my own. It was bought with a price. That's to do those good works he's prepared in advance for me to do. Because our mission as followers of Christ is to go out into the world and be the sharpest instruments in God's redeeming hands that we can be so that we can share the love of Jesus with the people around us. And when we're dealing with these physical issues, which, you know, if you're given to God, and you put a knife to your throat, I mean, there's harsh language. If you destroy the temple, which is this, and I'm destroying my temple by the way I was eating and not exercising, God will destroy you, you know. And thank God for his grace, that he extended grace to me over and over again until I finally got it through my head that I need to change. But I went about making those changes and I started leaning into it, and it was really, really, really hard. But there were some things that God laid on my heart in the midst of that. And I want to go to James 4.17, because it echoed loud in my head. And it says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, sins. And I was seeing all these scripture verses in a whole new light, because I had equated them to all these things that I was pretty much under control in, you know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not a super immoral person. Um, I do struggle sometimes with temptation and things, but I'm not going out and cheating on my wife. I'm not, you know, um, looking at stuff on the internet I shouldn't be looking at. I'm not, you know, I would go into all these things, but I wasn't allowing God's light of his word to reflect in my life based on my health and my physical body. I wasn't allowing him to speak in that area. First Peter, or excuse me, second Peter, uh, verse one Uh, or chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. There's that word again. And to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you purpose these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being influenced and unproductive, or ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That hit me because as I started leaning into changing my health and spending more time just kind of going, okay, you know, God, you've given me 86,400 seconds in a day to figure out how I'm going to spend and I'm never going to get those back again. And putting a value on that and starting to lean into my health and my well-being and bringing that under control, I started realizing that I was starting to exhibit more self-control in my life and, and there were things about God's word that were becoming clearer to me overall, not just in the aspect of health, but just overall and in, in my purpose in his kingdom. Um, that all started being revealed to me. And so it was stuff that was just like totally transform, transformative in my life. And so I started taking the steps and the measures I, I needed to because it's like, you know, if, if, if I did give you $86,400 at midnight tonight and told you that whatever you haven't invested for the future, I'm going to take back at midnight the following night and you'll never have it again, you'd be working your butts off to invest that money because you know you're going to lose it all. And yet we get that 86,400 seconds at midnight tonight, and we're never going to see it again. And yet I kept on saying, well, I can do that tomorrow. I, you know, I've got a dinner plan tonight. I want to go out and have, you know, something good to eat. Um, because I didn't think good eating could come if I was doing diet and exercise, you know, if I was doing these lifestyle changes that needed to happen. Um, I stepped through that and started moving into that because... Just, I'm so glad that my dad, um, you know, his Bible and that was written in there because it was just such a catalyst to making a change and making me recognize it. Um, I had prayed, I know this is a hard message, and I'd prayed um, because, God, it's like, we don't, I mean, how often do you hear this taught about in church? We don't. And uh, I'm like, God, I, I just, you know, I, this is an area I don't want to touch. I don't want to go there. But it was really interesting to me because when Jeff contacted me about teaching this message. He had no clue um, about the timing or anything like that, but he says, okay, so these are the dates I set aside. This is what's going on, and Healthy Habits Physically is going to be, you know, on the 26th of January, and I want, you know, and if you're willing to teach that, I'd like for you to teach that, and so I told you guys this is one month away from the anniversary of my dad passing away, but today is my dad's 91st birthday which just was confirmation that God was going, no, this needs to be taught to my people. And again, this is not in judgment. This is about us going, God, I want to be all I can be for you. I want to be that instrument in your hands that's as sharp and as clean and as ready to go as possible. And when we start looking at these things, it was like Jeff and I were talking, uh, what, a week ago or so, and he was talking about Sunday before, and he's, we were in the office over there, and he said, I've been making some lifestyle changes because Jeff is dealing with diabetes, and he's been making some lifestyle changes, but he was like, man, the things I've been doing and the changes I've been making and how I've been eating and stuff and watching my carb intake and getting that down, he said, I haven't felt this good in a long time. And I had forgotten, am I quoting it right? I have forgotten how good I could feel to make these changes. And here's the deal. This is the feel-good message. You make the hard choices and the hard changes, and you will feel good. Not only because you'll feel better physically, but you'll feel good because we're honoring God with our bodies like he's told us to do. You know, that's that's where it's at in this thing. That's the feel-good message. That's what's going to get us out the other side of this because it's, we have a world out there right now that needs us to step up and not beat people with a message, but walk alongside them, not only in spiritual changes, 
but in physical changes as well. I don't know if there's studies out there or not, but it's really interesting when you look at the correlation of the increase um, in overweight and obesity throughout the world, those lines are running at about the same trajectory as the increase in depression and anxiety. And there's so many studies coming out now that what we put in here directly affects here. The processed foods and sugars affect the way our brains function. You know, if, if we get to this thing where, like Chelsea, Chelsea had talked about, with convenience, you know, and, and we don't move much, it's like this whole world has been redefined for us. You know, so you start binge-watching Netflix. Well, you're not going to binge-watch. You're just going to watch one episode, but that episode ends, and what, 10 seconds later, the next one starts, and you're like, dang it, I'm sucked in. And you're like, well, I don't want to leave the show, so, um, okay, Safeway will deliver my groceries, and I can get a pizza brought in here, and, um, I'm, well, and you just gather everything around, and, and we have no movement. The world is coming to the spot where you don't have to leave your front room or move off your couch except to answer the door to get the food that's being delivered to your house. And most of what's in our cupboards is so highly processed that it is affecting our mental health. It's affecting the way we do things. The chemicals that are in it to keep it lasting as long as like Chelsea had talked about, you know, are the things that are really affecting our brains and the sugars and all that stuff that's going in there. And so get informed. Get informed about the changes you need to make. I don't want to end this message without giving you guys some options here. So um, we're going to look at choosing some new habits. And so I want to challenge you guys to, you know, um, choose one of these. Or more, but the first one is, okay, start eating in a way that's more beneficial to my health and well-being. To help you guys with that, okay, if you're interested, and here's where the connection cards come out again, um, Chelsea and her husband Brandon and myself and some others are going to get together. If you guys are interested in it, take a connection card, put your contact information on that, and just draw a heart on it, and drop it in the basket as you go out. We're looking at doing every other Thursday, starting if there's enough interest, starting soon, um, but every other Thursday here at 7 o'clock, um, we're going to be bringing people in and we're going to be doing support with each other to understand where each of us are at individually, you know, in our physical makeup and what's the best way to approach some lifestyle changes that are going to be beneficial for us, not only physically but spiritually as well. Um, we're bringing in professionals. She's actually got one guy who's a cardiologist who, like, speaks. He, this guy is, like, sought after and people pay big money to have this guy come in and speak and he's willing to come talk to us about those changes and stuff. And, again, this isn't about condemning anybody. This is about all of us as a community working together to be who God's calling us to be so that we can be instruments in his redeeming hands. The second option here, okay, get moving. Get up, do something, get out there. We were just talking, I can't remember exactly where it was at, maybe it was the podcast, it was stupid, my wife Angela and I were talking back and forth. Um, one of the things is Japanese medicine, it's at least what we heard, that one of the deals that they're using for treating depression is, hey, get out in the outdoors um, and just be out there, moving around for an hour a day. It makes such a difference because when we're inside, we're not getting the light that we need. We're not getting those things. And that movement makes such a difference. It's getting out and it's walking. And, and it may be painful at first. It's when I started hitting the gym over here, it was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? This hurts. But now I'm telling you, this sense of well-being, both physically and mentally, that I have now, and stuff, I feel so much sharper, so much clearer. Um, my productivity has gone way up because of the lifestyle changes they've made. And I thought I was healthy. I'm all on all these medications before and thinking I'm, you know, smarter than the doctor because he's just wrong. But no, he was actually right. You know, I was, I was being prideful and, and probably a little bit, you know, kind of just 
not wanting to, you know, I was in self-denial, but there are people in this world that are way smarter than I am about this kind of stuff. And, and I think for all of us, you know, I was one of those people, no show of hands, but I was one of those people that was like, and I really don't want to go to the doctor because I'm afraid of what he's going to tell me. So I wouldn't go. So I'm challenging you in that moving, move to the doctor's office, listen to what they have to say, and start leaning into that. And then there's the third option for you guys, and I recommend option three, all of the above. So figure out what you need to do and, and lean into those things because those are the things that, that really um, can make a change. And it is hard, you know, and you're like, well, I didn't come here today to hear about the message about my physical health and well-being, but what? But what you got to go back to is I'm teaching you what the Bible has to say about taking care of our temple, about taking care of this body for the purpose that we are not called to be our own and just in it for our benefit in this thing. We are called to be who God has called us to be and to be the most efficient and effective in his kingdom movement as we can be. And the Bible says plenty about our physical health and our physical well-being and how we're to take care of ourselves. And so we need to lean into that. Um, Finally, let me share this with you as we close. This is out of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what what, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I just challenge us this morning and encourage you to reevaluate as we're in this new year that it's not just a New Year's resolution, but to really go, okay, God, help me not to compare myself to others. Help me not to avoid things that feel uncomfortable to me. But get before God and go, what needs to change in my life so that I can be who you want me to be for as long as you want me to be in the best way I can possibly be? Because that really is our spiritual act of worship. And he may reveal other things to you that are outside of the physical part. It may be a spiritual thing. It may be, you know, some sin issue that's there. It may be he's calling you to do something for somebody else. But I challenge us to do that because in those changes that we make, my whole sense of well-being, I'm 40 pounds down from where I was at. These medications that are here, I brought them along as a stone of remembrance. My doctor took me off of all those medications because my numbers are now perfect through diet and exercise. And I never, ever thought that that would change because I was, that was just who I was. But diet and exercise has brought me to a point where I just keep those around to remind me I don't want to be back on those every day. And we can change. We need to listen to the people around us who God's put in place to help us change. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because God willing... I'm hoping I'm going to be here past, I'm 54 now. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to be here past 57 for my family. Um, But I'm doing what it takes to not only do that, but to be here for you guys and everybody that God calls me to minister to. You know, so yeah, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, that uh, your word goes into all areas of our life. And I pray that your light would shine into our hearts. and, And God, this is not about judgment. Um, So God, help us not to compare, but help us to look at things that it's just you and I together. Um, God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us and give us wisdom to be who you've called us to be and do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.